Hey, everybody, we are talking taxes today with Kelly Good, and none of us like taxes, but it's important to understand them a little bit, and it's also important to have a good tax preparer or accountant on your side when you're making tax decisions. So as always, this is not specific tax advice. This is very general information. So if you have any questions, you do want to contact Kelly or myself or your tax professional so that you can see how these concepts apply to your personal situation. And also don't forget to be on the lookout for our Wednesday wellness webinar series that's coming up in January. We're really looking forward to that because as you know, I like to look at life in a holistic manner and all of the financial health in the world uh, doesn't really help you if your relationships are not doing well or your physical health or if you're not being generous. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. This is the Weekly Wealth Podcast with certified financial planner, David Chudik, where we discuss the wealth building mindsets and tactics that can help you to build and maintain wealth for you, your family, and your business. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Weekly Wealth Podcast. My name is David Chudik, and I'm really excited today to talk taxes with, uh, with Kelly Good. Um, with the end of 2023 coming, I think this is a good time for us to look at some of the tax laws changes from 2023 and and just get some general uh, general tax planning information. So, hey, Kelly, how are you? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your tax planning background, because, I mean, everybody you know, when they're five years old, wakes up and, and says, uh, when I grow up, I want to <laughs> I want to I want to prepare taxes. Right. Absolutely. You know, everybody's excited about taxes, but they are excited about saving money on taxes. So hopefully we can help with that. Um, Well, you know, math was always my favorite subject in school. Crazy, I know. And um, went to college and I said, what can I do when I'm good at math? And they suggested accounting. And so I went down that rabbit hole and um, actually love it. My husband doesn't understand why I do this for a living, but um, I think it's a, a love-hate thing. Either you you really enjoy it or you really don't, and I really do. So there you go. So one of the things that I talk about a lot on the podcast is that um, oftentimes we don't know what we don't know, so we should work with professionals. Um, I've Some of the things that you and I have heard from clients about what their understanding of tax laws are versus the actual tax laws themselves might be 180 degrees different. So I wanted to just give give our listeners the opportunity today just to hear about some some of the changes in 2023. And also, we're just going to talk about some common tax uh, tax concepts. But please understand that tax laws are complex. And if you have any questions, you can get with Kelly or me or your tax professional to see how it relates to your specific situation. This is not tax advice. We're just kind of giving some general information. First question for you here. Oftentimes when I'm working with the business owner, they'll tell me, hey, I own an S-Corp. And that makes me cringe. Does that make you cringe also when somebody (laughs) says that they own an S-Corp? And why does it make you cringe? Well, yeah, yeah, I think it's because people don't necessarily understand um, the nuances of business structure. So an S-Corp is just a tax election. So when you're doing the tax election as an S-Corp, you're normally either an LLC or a C-Corporation that's choosing to be taxed 
as an S corporation. So an S corporation is not actually a business structure, but rather just a tax election. And I think a lot of people just don't necessarily understand all the red tape in that. <laughs> so without spending the literal months that we could on this topic, if I'm a C corp um, or if I have an S corp election, what's the really, really basic general differences between the two? Well, C corporations are normally for very large companies that are publicly traded for the most part um, versus, you know, an LLC is more of the smaller businesses. Um, when you are an S corporation, you're choosing to be taxed differently. So under S corporation rules, um, you do not pay Social Security and Medicare tax on any of the profits of an S corporation. The only thing that you do pay those taxes are uh, on is whatever the amount that's run through payroll for the owner. And it is a requirement, and a lot of people don't know this, as an S corporation, if you take distributions out of the company, you are required to take a reasonable payroll. And that's kind of the game, right? To, to work with your accountant to determine what reasonable is as far as your salary? It is. I mean, normally the rule of thumb with the IRS is that if you were doing what you were doing for somebody else as a W-2 employee, what would you be paid? Um, kind of the other rule of thumb is I tell people usually, if, you know, if it's about a third to a half of your profits, you should really be taking uh, as a salary. But again, it just depends on all the other things, which is why you really need to sit with a tax professional and make sure that you, you know, are not doing anything to get you flagged with the IRS. Nobody wants to be audited. <laughs> Absolutely. No question there. So let's talk about business owners and their kids. What are some thought processes if I say I'd like to hire my kids? Why might I do that? Why might I do that? What are some of the benefits to me and my family potentially if I hire my kids? Hiring kids is actually a wonderful tax advantage um, for people that own small businesses. If you have children under the age of 18 um, and they can actually do a service for you, so not necessarily your one-year-old, but you know, you got kids that are seven, eight, nine, ten, and they can come in and and do some chores or do some filing, or depending on what your your business has got going on, you can pay them tax free to them up to that standard deduction amount. So it's wonderful for them. A lot of uh, business owners will take that uh, funds and they'll put it in a Roth, which you know makes your kid your best friend when they turn eighteen. <laughs> so it's it's really a wonderful tax planning strategy. And the one thing that I will say, and we were just talking about S corporations. If you are an S corporation, you actually are required if you're hiring your kids to pay FICA taxes on them. So it's a little bit different um, depending on your business structure, but one of the workarounds for that is you can actually create a single member LLC called you know, your family management plan and then bill your S corporation, hire your kids under that family management plan and that's your way around paying those FICA taxes. So it uh, gets a little bit more complicated, but we can certainly do it. Now, what are some ways that maybe paying your kids could get you in trouble? Like how could you abuse that to where the IRS might uh, give you a slap on the wrist? Well, you know, if you're saying that your one-year-old is in there doing filing, that's probably not going to fly. <laughs> or if you're trying to pay your kids and you're not actually giving them a W-2, if you're just paying them right out of the, of the bank account and um, not doing the payroll reporting that's required, um, you will definitely get a slap on the wrist for that. Is it possible that the IRS might come to me and say, how can you justify that you paid your 16-year-old your $10,000? Like, what did they do to earn that money? Is, is that a possibility that they would ask that question? 
Absolutely. So you should treat your children if you're going to hire them, just like you would any other employee. You know, you have timesheets for them. You have a job description for them, just like any other employee that you would have. You need to treat them the same way to get yourself um, protected. And as a non-tax kind of feature of, of hiring your kids, think about what it teaches them. It teaches them that a paycheck is a paycheck. And when their money is gone, it's gone. So I've hired my kids and, and they've gotten some paychecks. And all of a sudden, when you're when your kids are buying some of their own stuff, um, you know, they're not necessarily that concerned with name brands or going to the movies and getting the $15, $15 popcorn. They're they're much more uh, my kids are cheap when they're buying their own stuff. And and that's not necessarily the, the worst <laughs> yeah. lesson ever by by any stretch. Yeah, it definitely yeah, definitely changes the perspective a little bit and you know teaches them some financial discipline and money management. So I'm a firm believer in doing that. A couple of things that we don't teach kids in school, we don't teach relationships, um, we don't teach health, and we don't teach money. If the schools aren't going to teach it, we have to do it ourselves. And, and I think right. that hiring your kids is a great way to uh, do that. Absolutely. So, all right. So another cool uh, strategy that that is used quite often is the Augusta rule. So talk to me a little bit about the Augusta rule, where the name come from, and then maybe how it can, uh, how we how we might be able to benefit by using the Augusta rule. Absolutely. The Augusta rule started with the masters. So people running their homes out when the masters would happen. Um, so that's where the, the name originated. Uh, this rule allows you to rent your home up to 14 days out of the year and not claim that income as taxable income. So this is a wonderful tool for individuals or business owners can actually rent out their own home to their business if they're having, you know, um, employee parties or client parties, whatever they're doing, um, they can write themselves a check tax-free up to 14 days for the year. So great tax planning strategy. Um, a lot of people don't use it, um, whether it's because they don't know about it or they don't really know how it works and we can certainly help people with that as well so i own a business and let's say i wanted to have a christmas party at my house for clients or or even for uh uh maybe people like you that i partner with and help clients doing a party at my house so my llc can write a check to me personally because it would be renting my house from me to host the party. And as long as that's reasonable, that would be tax-free income to myself and a deduction to the LLC. So it's like a double winner. Yep, absolutely. And and you cut right in on the reasonable part. You know, you don't want to write yourself a check for $50,000. <laughs> so it's got to be, you know, within reason. So, um, but you can absolutely do that and it's tax-free and wonderful strategy. And that's the game. You know, the game of business owners is how do you get money out of the corporation, out of the business without paying taxes on it? And there are a few ways to do it legally. Um, and and the, that's that's just, uh, that's one trick that I that I love. All right. So there's another one that we could spend a long time talking about, but we want to kind of get the um, just the ground rules for it. And that's the home office deduction. And again, a lot of these are complicated and, and, and you may need specific advice to your situation. But um, when does a home office deduction apply for, for a business owner? So almost anyone can take the home office deduction, assuming that they actually have a legitimate home office, depending on your business structure, depends on. And what is, let, let's go into that. What's a legitimate home office? Can it be my kitchen table? 
Well, not not really. It's uh, it's got to be a space that's designated for office use only. So like it can't be um, if you've got a bed in there or, you know, something that you're using it for dual purpose. It needs to be strictly for office use only. So, yeah, and depending on your business structure, you know, there's some nuances to this. Like, for example, if you have an S corporation, it's not necessarily just a straight home office deduction like you would think. It's got to be done through something called an accountable plan reimbursement, which is a whole nother rabbit hole that we won't go down today. But you need to be very specific and um, depending on your business structure. So you do need to talk with your tax professional and make sure that you are taking this deduction correctly. Um, one of the things that I recommend for people that do take the home office deduction, a lot of people will take the percentage of their home office. So say they've got a, a 10 by 10 office and they'll say, well, my office is 100 feet and they'll compare that as a percentage to the rest of their home. One of the strategies that improves this deduction is, and this is perfectly legal, is if you only take the net square feet of your house, meaning only the livable areas. So you subtract out things like hallways and foyers and bathrooms, and you really only take the livable square footage. So this increases the percentage that your home office is and therefore increases that deduction. When I'm using the home office deduction, do I get to deduct a percentage of the electric bill, the heating bill, the water bill? What, what do I get to deduct, generally speaking, with the home office deduction? You, you can take anything that's an expense for your home that is also related to your home office. And that becomes part of the calculation. There is another way that you can do it called the simplified method, but it usually results in a much lower deduction. But normally you would take all of your expenses for your home, your utilities, and even the interest on your mortgage. Um, and you can do this as part of your home office deduction calculation. And it winds up being an, a really nice um, deduction for a lot of people. And let's let's go back to kind of the same question with the last one. Is there any way you can kind of maybe over overuse this and abuse it to where you can get in trouble with the IRS or what are some ways to stay out of trouble with regard to the home office deduction? Well, you want to make sure that you're doing things that are very specific that are also tied into your home office. Like if you're redoing your landscaping outside, then obviously that's not related to your home office. So you want to make sure that whatever you're doing, that it is related to the office itself and not just some exterior project that you have going on. What about employees? If if you do not own a business but you work from home, how does how does the does the home office deduction apply in that case? So if you're working for someone else, unfortunately, you cannot take the home office deduction. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some changes coming up in 2024. Um, what are some things that we need to be looking at, um, maybe for, for standard deductions and, and some other things that, you know, as we get closer, we might want to be uh, planning for during the, during the 2024 tax year? Yeah, well, one of the nice things that's coming up is um, the Social Security is receiving a standard cost of living allowance of 3.2%. So that's always nice when we get that little bump. Um, some of the uh, other brackets are obviously adjusting as they do every year. Uh, the standard deduction is increasing $750 up to $14,600 for single people. And this is also a number that we would refer back to when we talked about hiring the kids. It could be up to that $14,600 at the tax-free amount. And then for married people, it's going up $1,500. So uh, the standard deduction. But let's go back to that. So in 2024, let's say you have three kids. And if you're a business owner and they're legitimately working for you, you can almost pay your kids 
you know, a total of $45,000 total, which is absolutely $45,000 um, that's, that's getting out of your business without you're lowering your profit by $45,000 and not paying taxes on it. That's huge. If you take advantage that's of absolutely that absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're doing the reporting correctly and sending in those quarterly payroll reports and issuing those kids, your W-2s, then it's a wonderful uh, deduction that everyone that can take advantage of should definitely. Um, so some of the other little um, things that are going up, gift taxes, um, you can do $18,000 per year without filing a gift tax return. And that is per person. So if a married couple wants to um, gift their child, uh, $18,000 they can do, the, the husband and wife can do that. So $36,000 without filing the gift tax return. The estate tax exclusion uh, is going up to $13.6 million. Um, so that is huge. Now, who knows if, um, you know, what happens with the next election that may change, you know, because those numbers have been lower in the past. Um, some of the retirement um, amounts are going up in their thresholds. HSAs, are now you can contribute $4,150 for individual or $8,350 for family. FSAs are now $3,200 and you can actually carry over 640 of that to the following year. Uh, the earned income tax credit is going up for a maximum of $7,830 in 2024. So a lot of these things are, are you know, really great. And then obviously the, the tax brackets themselves are moving as they do every year. They go up just a little bit. So we're still at a top tax bracket of 37%, but those rates have all adjusted accordingly. So if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear me say over and over and over that we should, you know, we, we should always look towards getting advice from professionals that's specific to us. The tax code is so complicated, but I guarantee that many of us are missing out on some legitimate tax deductions. And And I believe we should all pay taxes, but I also believe that we should pay the least amount legally required because um, you know, the laws are there for a reason. So if anybody were thinking, you know, I've, I've enjoyed listening to Kelly. She sounds like she knows what she's doing. She sounds like someone I would like to work with. Um, number one, they're, let's say they're not in South Carolina, so they're not local. Can you still work with them? And number two, how would they find you? And what would what would the process of working with you look like? So we are um, completely in the cloud. So we actually have um, clients from South Carolina all the way to Hawaii. And it works really well. Um, we're completely paperless. So you can submit your documents right into our secure client portal. Um, we can do Zoom meetings. We can do phone meetings. However works best for you, we can certainly accommodate um, whatever that looks like. We do free consultations. So we do a free 15-minute consultation for anyone who would like to get on the phone with us or jump on Zoom with us or even local if you'd like to come into the office with us. And you can actually schedule that consultation right online at Blackstone Account. Com. There's a tab for appointments. So you just select the initial consultation and we'll get you taken care of. So I don't think anybody should do their taxes alone. I don't think anybody should do their financial planning alone. Um, I don't think anybody should practice law alone, even though it's easy to Google, Google, you know, contract templates and everything. These are areas where there's just a lot that can be messed up. So get with a good professional and, um, you know, if, if you have any tax questions, reach out to Kelly and see how uh, see how you work with her, see how you like her and, and see if you're a, a good fit. Because, you know, the A-team, the, the, the few 
financial professionals that we all should work with. They should be people that you trust a lot and have very, very good chemistry with. I definitely appreciate your advice. And I really wanted to just give a tidbit of some of maybe some of the lesser known tax rules out there and spur on some uh, some conversation. So this was uh, this was really fun. Well, the other thing that I'd like to say, um, you know, regarding your A team, your your accountant, your advisor, and your attorney, um, the great thing is, it, it just make sure they actually talk to each other because. You know, if you're not having your professionals talk to each other, you may have like competing goals or just want to make sure that everyone's rowing the boat in the same direction. So I know, David, you know, when we have joint clients, we'll get on the phone and chat about, you know, what do we want to do? What's the best way that we can jointly help this client? So I think that's really something important to consider. Absolutely. And and what I think the client's goal should be and what you think the client's goal should be and what the client's goals actually are might be three different things. So exactly. um, you know, oftentimes investment advisors like myself, they assume everybody wants to save as much money as they can. And that's not always the case. Sometimes people, when they have younger kids, they want to back down on how much they're putting aside so they can enjoy life. And my job is to help my clients have a better life by by their definition of, of a better life. Yeah, I completely agree. Being the Weekly Wealth Podcast, we talk about the mindsets, the tactics, and the strategies that help you to build and maintain wealth. So Kelly Good, tell me your definition of wealth. What does wealth mean to you and to your family and to the people that you care about? You know, that's such a great question because I do think it means something different to everyone else. Um, To me, it's not necessarily all about how much money you have. It's how satisfied you are with the things that you do have. And, you know, for me, it's, it's, we don't need $10 million to be happy. We just want to be happy with the things that we have and the people that we share our lives with. And so it's more about that for me than it is about, you know, stacking the cash. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Almost everybody will give some sort of an answer relating to freedom. So it's not really about the dollars, but it's about what the dollars can do, can do for you. Yeah. I agree with that as well. That's one of the reasons I chose to be self-employed. Um, because of the freedom it allows me. So I think everyone that, that can be self-employed should be, but that's just my personal opinion. <laughs> yep. I've, you know, you have the freedom to work 80 hours a week, but you have the freedom to pick which 80 <laughs> hours you work. So uh, <laughs> no, I, I love being self-employed right. and, I, and I think it's a uh, great thing. If you have any questions, email Kelly Good, that's K-E-L-L-I-E-G-O-O-D at blackstoneaccounting.com. And she's happy to do uh, an online consultation with you or meet uh, meet meet locally and just answer your questions. And again, you need a good relationship with your accountant. You need a good relationship with your financial advisor and you need a good relationship with your attorney. Those are three areas where you can really screw things up if you don't do them right. So Kelly, I appreciate your time. I appreciate uh, some of this expertise. Yeah, this was fun. I'm glad we got this this going and and I enjoy working with you on on some clients that we share. And um, absolutely. So until next episode, we wish everybody a blessed week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks so much. Take care. The information contained herein included but not limited to research, market valuations, calculations, estimates, and other materials obtained from Parallel Financial and other sources are believed to be reliable. However, Parallel Financial does not warrant its accuracy or completedness. These materials are provided for informational purposes only and should not be used for or construed as an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security. Past performance is not indicative of any future.